0: Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. But if I can for just a moment, if I can talk to you about a good friend of ours, that'd be all right. He's probably um, the most reliable person that you could ever count on. He's probably the oldest friend that you've got. Long after everybody else is gone, he's going to still be there with you. He's a baptizer. He's a comforter. He's a counselor. He helps us when we're on top of the world. He helps us in our weaknesses. And his name is the Holy Spirit of God. He's not the force, you Star Wars fans. He's not the force. He's a person. He loves. He feels. He's grieved. He's wounded. He rejoices. And so if I can just talk to you about three wonderful works of the Holy Spirit today, um, then if you'll let me do that, I want you to turn to John chapter 16, verse number 8. I had a lady follow me. I got to talking to her about the things of God. And um, and I began to ask her about the Holy Spirit. I said, lots of times when you talk to people about God, they'll say, yes, I know Jesus. And then my next question is, do you know the Holy Spirit? Because if you're going to know God, let me tell you, you're going to want to know the Holy Spirit. And uh, she said, well, no, I'm not too familiar with Him. And I thought, what a wonderful th- opportunity to be able to share the, who, G, who the Holy Spirit is to somebody else. Three wonderful things that He does. He, he's a Savior. He's involved in the work of salvation. Those of you who take notes, not only number two, He's involved in the work of sanctification. That's where He cleans this up, right? Right? That's where He he takes us and just peels back the layers of our lives and works and begins to make us who Jesus wants us to be. And another wonderful work of the Holy Spirit is that of service. He empowers us to do God's work in this world. Are you ready to talk about the Holy Spirit? Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you today. Once again, thank you for this opportunity to share the Word, this opportunity to, to know Christ. The opportunity to, to know this person of the Holy Spirit. And you're welcome here, Holy Spirit. You're, my, you're the greatest teacher, the greatest preacher the world's ever seen. So I ask you to come. Let me back up. Let you take center stage. And I pray every heart will be ready to receive. Our hearts be ready to, to, uh, to, to take in the, the Word of God and to leave here changed by the power of God. We love you for all of that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, John chapter 16, verse number 8. Jesus is speaking about somebody. And Jesus knew that his time was short. He knew that he had to leave so that somebody else could come. Because if you think about it, if Jesus was here, all the disciples did not want him to leave. They were like, look, we like riding this wave. We like watching you do miracles. We like eating the man, the, the food, the fish, the fish, and the the loaves that you multiplied. We like the teaching that you give. We want you to stick around, but Jesus said, "I gotta go because if I go, I'm gonna send you somebody," and that somebody is the person of the Holy Spirit. And He says something about Him because the Holy Spirit is is present in salvation. Any saved believers in the house this morning? Any born-again believers in the house today? Anybody on their way to heaven right now? You just stopped by the church in your way to heaven. Let me see your hands. The Holy Spirit was prevalent when you and I came to Christ. And John 16 gives us his description. He says, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The holy Spirit's job is to lead a person to salvation. So when I came became a Christian, maybe you can identify with this. I sat in a church service just like this, listened to somebody play music just like we just heard, listened to a preacher preach just like you're hearing right now, and I thought to myself, I've got to change my life. I cannot stay the same. If I stay the same, I 'm going to hurt the people that I love the most. If I stay the same, I know it's not pleasing to God. If I stay the same, I know that life will become worse for me. Who was the actual person who was leading me in that conversation? He was the person of the Holy Spirit. He was convicting me of, of the righteousness of God. He was convicting me of my sin. He was showing me what would happen if I didn't commit my life to Christ. That was the work of the Holy Ghost right there in the, in the work of salvation. It says this in Titus chapter 3. It says, When the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards men appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. It's what He does in, in salvation is He turns you and makes you a brand new person. Regeneration. That's a $2 word, is if I can half that for you, it really means to re-gene. Regine. I'm not talking about getting a new pair of Levi's or Wranglers. I'm talking about where he changes you down here on the inside. See, the thing is, you're not the same person you were before as after the Holy Ghost regened you. You've been changed down at the very core of your beating, being. What you used to want to do and what you want to do now are two different things. People don't understand how come we're so crazy and we're so loved with God because we've been changed, regened on the inside of us. Mark's not here today, Mark Watson, I'm gonna tell his story because he I don't think he would mind me telling him. He came one day, committed his life to God, and was sitting at the altar. And most people, when they give their lives to Christ, lots of times they're snorting and snotting and snorting. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you just see the power of God's on them, and they're just crying invisibly. Mark wasn't doing that. He was sitting just like this, which is really interesting, Brother Pace. And I walked up to him and said, Mark, I said, how you doing? He said, this is the most amazing thing to me. He said, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like God changes you. And I said, yes, 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 God changes us. No, 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 brother. you don't understand. It's like down on the DNA level, He changes us. What's that called? That's the regenerating power of the Holy Ghost that just did His work. And whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, you used to be one way, but now you're different. You used to have low self-esteem, now you don't because you got regened. You used to have an identity crisis, but now you don't because you know who you are in Christ. You used to have problems coping. You were terrified of the future. You struggled with vice and addiction. You were afraid of people getting close to you, but God changed you on the inside. Now you're different. 1 Corinthians says, and this is what some of you were, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. When you see salvation take place, you know who's right up in the middle of all that? Secondly, he's a sanctifier. Now, that's the cleaning part, cleaning up part of the Christian life. That's the car wash for the Christian. It's called sanctification. Doesn't happen all at once, but it's a process. How many thank God God doesn't try to fix this all at once? There's this thing on the inside of me and you. Can you handle this? I'm about to mention a word they don't mention in church very more. There's this thing called the sin nature on the inside of us. All of us got it. It was passed down from your mama and your grandmama and on down the line all the way to Adam's, where it started. It's that corrupting influence on the inside of people. I'm going to give you some scriptures. I'm going to give them to you several of them really fast, so you're going to have to listen pretty fast. But in Psalm chapter 51... Speaking of this topic says, "Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. In sin, my mother conceived me." Psalm 58 and3, "The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies." Romans 5:12, "Therefore justice through one man's sin entered the world, and death through sin and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned." Jeremiah 17:9, "The heart is deceitful, above all things, and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Romans 8, 7, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not get, submit to God's law Indeed, and, and lastly, But the natural man, Romans says, does not deceive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. These scriptures point to the fact that on the inside of humanity, it is messed up. Some of you think, I don't think that's true, Pastor. I don't think that's the case. I think man basically on the inside is good. If that's the case, then why after 7,000 years are we still beating each other up? Why after 7,000 years are we still talking about each other? Why after 7,000 years is to steer all the trouble that we had in the world? That's because on the inside of us, we were corrupted because of our sin. But something wonderful happened when you came to Christ. It's marvelous. That sin nature on the inside of you was deactivated. That force that was on the inside of you leading you to do your own thing apart from God, to go away, to go after your own way, that thing was deactivated, and all of a sudden it was was rendered dormant. But it can be reactivated. Say the word reactivated. So that thing on the inside of me that is deactivated, as a Christian it can be reactivated? Yes, Christians do sin. For the longest time, I thought I wasn't supposed to, and I couldn't figure out why I did. But I realized God's working us out in this process called sanctification, and it's the Holy Ghost's job to get it done. Let me speak to you for just a minute. There's something in the church world today. It's called the hyper-grace movement, hyper-grace movement. What that means is that means that anything goes for the Christian. You can do anything. It doesn't matter what the behavior is because Jesus forgave us of all our sins and we live under grace. You can get drunk. You can cuss. You can chase anybody you want to. You can sleep around. You can do anything you want to because God covers that with grace. You ready? You want to quote me on this? That is wrong. That's not right. Don't believe that. Jesus came not to deliver us so we could continue to sin. He delivered us from our sin. If you're banging your head against the wall, and I come up to you and say, hey, keep on doing that, what kind of friend am I? If a preacher tells you you can do anything you want to because of grace, he's not your friend. The problem is, is with the things we used to preach, we used to preach against. And then we stopped preaching them all together. Now we condone them. That's a slippery slope, y'all. If it was wrong 500 years ago, five years ago, it's still wrong today according to God's Word. Don't be deceived into this hyper-grace movement. The Holy Spirit's the one who works it out in us. And the way He does it, the way He activates, the way He works, is when we believe that He is the answer for the problem of sin. When he alone is the answer to the problem of sin. See, here's the thing. Can I just tell you my story real quick? Okay, how about real slow? I'm going to tell you, when I, grew, when I came to Christ, I came to the Lord, and I'm like you. I love the Lord, Brother, Mr., Mr. Doug. I loved him. I didn't want to be, a, I wasn't a hypocrite. I just loved him. But there was things that I, in my life that just didn't seem to fall off. Areas of my character that God had to work on, and, and I tried everything I could to get those things to fall off. So what I would do is I just what most people do is I just tried tried harder. I just figured, well, if I you know if I'm still struggling in this area of my life, well, I need to try harder. I need to do some more religious stuff. Maybe maybe I need to read my Bible more. Maybe I need to pray more. Maybe I need to go to church more. Maybe I need to. One guy told me to do push-ups. I was doing so many push-ups I couldn't see straight. Because the answer to sin is not those things. Because if that was the answer to sin, Jesus would have just said, Go do more of those things. But he didn't do that, did he? He died upon Calvary's cross to break the power of sin. And my faith can't be in what I do, it has to be in what he's already done. The reason that Christians struggle sometimes is because they're trying too hard. They're trying to do it themselves and trust in themselves and not rest in what Jesus has already done. Oh, my goodness, that's good preaching. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings that around to us. Some of you say, you got a scripture for that? I think I do. Romans chapter 8, verse number 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That's going to repeat. Romans chapter 8, verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. It's a law. It's a law. When you practice that law, the Spirit of life in Jesus, it always leads to freedom from sin and death book of the Bible called Corinthians if there was ever a dysfunctional group of people that's it they were the cliquish bunch of people they they, they were involved they got drunk they were involved in sexual immorality the church services were just like a, a zoo they were chaotic Paul had to come in and set all those things in order they loved God but they hadn't learned how to overcome those vices of their life And he says this in the very first chapter. You can go read it. He says this. He says, I came to you knowing nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He said, the preaching of the cross is to them who are perishing foolishness, but to you and I that are being saved, it's the power of God. That means there's a power in the cross of Christ. There's a power in the preaching of the cross of Christ. To overcome it it doesn't matter the name, what it might be, that vice, nicotine, or alcohol. Doesn't matter sexual sin, doesn't matter if it's addiction to social media or, or television. It doesn't mean if you're addicted to jealousy or malice or rage, or if you won't forgive a person. It doesn't matter what the name is. the cross of Christ will break that power in the life of a believer. That's it. I don't have to give you 15 different ways. It's just one way. Simple faith in Christ and what He did by dying on the cross. That's when the Holy Spirit begins to go to work. Let me just say this to somebody before we move on. If you struggle in habitual sin, if you struggle in binging sin, you do pretty good for a while, then you go back and struggle in the same area. The cross of Christ is your answer. If you struggle with things and it's just always seemed to haunt you in your Christian experience, I want you to know something. There's an answer for it. I'm living proof. And that answer is the cross of Christ. That and that alone. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit, He empowers us to serve God. While you're where you are in your book, flip over to Luke chapter 24. The Holy Spirit empowers us in salvation. He empowers us in sanctification, but he also empowers us in our service to God. He gave these instructions when he was about to leave, him being Jesus. He said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from one high. And what he did is He the disciples went to Jerusalem. They waited there. The Holy Spirit came upon them. You can read that in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2. They were endued with power, and they went out to preach the gospel to the four corners of the world, and some of what they did touched me and you. Thousands of years later. Now, this is an interesting topic when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I want you just to think really, really, really just logically for a minute. Jesus had just overcome death, hell, and the grave. And now he had 12 guys who had to go to the whole world for generations to tell people about him. My first thought was they got to be motivated. they got to have persistence and endurance. they got to be able to talk to people that they probably wouldn't talk to. They need to have a strength that they don't possess now. They need power. That's what I would have thought. And so what happens is Jesus thought the same thing. Actually, Jesus thought it, then I thought it. He knew that they needed to be full of power, so he said, Look, I've got to go, but I'm going to put somebody on the inside of you that's going to empower you. And that person he, they needed was the power of God himself, was the power of the Holy Spirit. They needed power to go through hardships, power to go through persecutions, power to go through trials, and that power is engineered by the person of the Holy Spirit living up on the inside of being you. Now, this thing, our sign says Bethel, assembly of God. I may have seen that. <laughs> Three of you. Good. Bethel, assembly of God. Can I just real quickly tell you how the assemblies of God began? There was a few hundred people that got together after the revival of Azusa Street that took place at the turn of the 20th century. These people got together and they said, look, what we saw happen, we don't want to stop. That we saw a move of God take place and we want to see somehow if God can help us to get that movement to the world and to the next generations. So they got together and they put 16 fundamental truths together, 16 things that they believed would help carry the baton to another generation. And one of the things they believed in, and here's the thing, we were always the group of people on the other side of the tracks. We weren't the biggest, the bright, brightest, the wealthiest. All we had was the power of the Holy Ghost. And we believed that if we took the Holy Spirit and put him at the, at the forefront of a church, he would do something great. Oh, just a little bit over a hundred years later, he has done something great. Today, after just a few hundred of people right now, there are somewhere between 60 and 70 million people who are a part of this, this uh, movement called the Assemblies of God. There are other, other denominations that have tried and called us and asked us, how did you have such success in reaching people in missions work and expanding and exploding We know you didn't have much money. We know you didn't have have much resources. What was it? We got to tell them, it's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. It's the same thing that Job prophesied. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. It's not us that have been doing all the work. It's the Spirit of God who's been doing it. And the way he does it, he empowers the believer to go out and be a witness for Jesus. That power that is on the day of Pentecost, that power is at Azusa Street, that power that's compelled the Assemblies of God to be where we are today is the same power that the Holy Spirit has for every single person who asks for it. Now, some of you are like me. Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues does not make much sense to you. I grew up in a a church that that I'd never never even heard of it. Not that it was preached, I just never even heard of it. So I, I began to ask the question, and I want you to just, if you'll consider for a minute, and ask God the question, God, is this something that you want for me? Instead of saying, well, why should I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why should I speak in tongues? Ask the question, why should I be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Why should I speak in tongues? And if you ask God from a heart, God, if this is something you have for me, I promise you, he'll show himself to you. Because it's not for a select few of people. It doesn't mean if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, it doesn't mean that you're a second-rate Christian. It doesn't mean you go up on the second bus during the rapture. You're going to go up in the first with everybody else. But see, God knew that we have to have power. He knew that in this world we needed strength to go out and tell a world that a man rose from the dead and forgave us of our sins that has a place called heaven waiting on us. Today, the fastest growing segment of religion in the world is the Pentecostal. The Pentecostal. 35,000 people a day are being saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit in the Pentecostal world. Not because of anything we've done, but because Joel chapter 2. It shall come to pass that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. I always preach this. And I feel compelled to talk to that one that's not baptized because sometimes I think I know exactly what you're thinking because I sat and listened to everybody else speak in tongues and wondered why in the world could I not do it. If there was a gift that God had, how come he was excluding me from that gift? My friend, he's not excluding you from anything. There's a season, there's a moment, there's a time, but I I want you just to have this attitude every time. You have an opportunity to receive this gift I want you to take advantage of it listen it only takes one time to get it what happens if after five times you don't get it come on come one more time what if you do for a thousand times what if you somebody's told you it's not for today or somebody told you oh that's 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 gone away with the Apostles don't believe them they're not your friend I believe this is God says whosoever this promises to you and to all of your household Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord, I believe, will be filled with the power of God to be a witness for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lastly, today, still with me? I said three points, but I got another half a point about that. This is your three and a half point sermon. The Holy Spirit empowers us for salvation. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you need to be saved. Maybe you really are not where you need to be with God, and you need God the Holy Ghost to come in. Today's your day. Secondly, maybe it's sanctified. Maybe you need the help of the Holy Spirit to help you to overcome those things that we face, the struggles we face, temptations we face, that sin nature that wants to rise up on the inside of us. He can help us with that as well. Maybe you need to be endued with power. You say, look, I just... I just need to be, I just, I just feel like I struggle as a Christian. I, I get so nervous talking to people about God. If I invite them to church, I almost have an anxiety attack because I get so nervous. I need strength. I need power. Friends, you need the Holy Spirit. Hang on. I got one more point to that Put that point there. If What you're looking at here today, how many have heard me preach more than 10 times? How many have probably heard me preach more than 100 times? How many have heard me preach more than 1,000 times? When I came to Christ, listen, when I came to Christ and I sat down with a, a minister friend and told him that I'd just give my life to Christ, he said, here's some things you could, that'll help you. He said, you need to start reading the Bible so you can get to know God. That's good advice. He said, pray, talk to God, bring your needs to God, watch him answer those needs. He said, find your church family that'll love you where they preach the word of God where you can fellowship. And then he said, There's one more thing. Lastly, go tell somebody what God's done for you. This is what I told him, Pat. Before God, and man, this is what I told him. I said, I can read my Bible. Yeah. I can pray and ask God. I've been doing that a little bit already. I can find a church family. There's one right behind my house. But I cannot tell anybody what God has done for me. I'm shy. I'm timid. I'm not bold. I'm, I don't work good with my words. They just mess up sometimes, and I feel like I'll make more of a uh, make more of a disaster, make things worse for somebody than better. And I told him, I just can't do that. But God, the Holy Ghost got on the inside of me, and I could not try as hard as I tried. I could try as hard as I can right now to keep my mouth shut and not testify about Jesus. But the power of the Holy Spirit is bigger than character. It's bigger than personality. It's bigger than your your temperaments and your traits because Jesus knew we would need power and he gave us that power so we could go all into the world. Even if we're shy, even if we're timid, we can go all into all the world and preach the gospel. That's my third point. Lastly, here's my half point. Likewise, Romans chapter 8, verse 26, he helps in our weakness. Sometimes when life just doesn't seem right, sometimes when you're just sad, sometimes when you're not just sure which direction to go tomorrow morning, there's a Holy Spirit, and he said he'll help you. And of all those things, the one that I can, well, the one that I know, they're all true. But this one right here is near and dear to my heart. Because I can tell you this, this this preacher's been in some pickles, been in some tough spots. And every single time, he was there. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the Word of God and grows your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.net. Thank you.